Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome. I am your host, Michael Moorcroft. Thank you for tuning into the Mage as Well, your 101 guide to all things witchcraft and spiritual. Thanks for tuning in, Majors. This week covers the huge topic of divination. Coming from divinaire, literally meaning to be inspired by a god, divination has been practiced universally in every culture regardless of the period of time. It seems to be old as the human race itself, and it covers a huge array of techniques and methods. The Roman philosopher, Cicero, put divination into two camps. That of the divination of nature, which is dreams, premonitions, and intuition, and divination of art, which is about the signs in your environment, so astrology, tarot, birds, basically everything else. The ancients would draw signs from their gods, through reading the entrails of animals they sacrificed, lightning, fires, runes, lots, livers, stars, the flight of birds, the list is endless. Messages could also be received through oracles and dreams. Mantaik was a Greek term for divination, and it was divided into sections based on the elements. Hydromancy, necromancy, pyromancy, geomancy, aeromancy. Necromancy represents the spirit, where practitioners would speak to the dead for divination. We can see in each term, mancy plays a role. Nomancy comes from the Greek word mantia, which basically means prophet or uncovering hidden knowledge. Today it's been updated a little bit and it's been split into three camps. Evan Zuse categorizes as the following. Intuitive divination, where the diviner sees the significance of events. Possession divination, in which spiritual beings communicate through either a person or an object. Wisdom divination, in which the diviner uses a set-out in-depth system to draw conclusions from, like astrology, palmistry, numerology, I Ching, that kind of thing. Why do we do divination? Well, looking at it, those who foretold the future were kind of a rudimentary counsellor and therapist. 
They helped individuals in the community at large to cope with their anxieties and fears, and provided guidance and relief. It provided hope in the face of uncertainty, and gave people a feeling of control in their lives. Issues faced felt less personalised. Diviners explained the rhythms of life, and gave them rational explanation. Anthropology, the study of society and humans, tells us divination was used to wield the authority of the divine, to create and to encourage people to follow norms and social orders. I think that filters into the equation, but I think it kind of takes out the mystical element. Diviners were revered in their communities, and every interference in life could be a message from the other worlds. Linda Woodhead, a professor of sociology of religion, points out that the Roman Empire was partly run on divination, and Alexander the Great and his generals sought out Aristander the Seer for guidance and advice. Alexander also travelled to the Oracle of Ammon, where he was supposedly told that he was the son of the hybrid god Zeus Ammon. When the US Army was being attacked with hidden explosive devices in the Iraq War, certain soldiers appeared to have the ability to sense the presence of these bombs. The military actually allocated funds to study this, and discovered that some of the soldiers did in fact hold this ability. Types of Divination Astrology was one of the first forms of divination, and it has its origins in Mesopotamia. The influence of the planets on our lives has gone mainstream in recent years, and it's had a massive resurgence in popularity. I think it's the most socially accepted form of divination at present. It's also interesting to note that on other planets, the stars align differently. Therefore, astrology is specific to the Earth. Even on the Moon, the astrological systems in place wouldn't be relevant, and the energies surrounding your birth would be different. Tarot is another form that is wildly popular and enjoying a massive revival. There are many myths around the origins of tarot, with some saying its roots lay in the Islamic game called Mulmak which was brought to Europe in the 15th century by invading Islamic soldiers when they sought control over Sicily, northern Italy, and Spain. The cards get adapted by the Italians, and they create a storytelling game out of them called Tarocci. Then in the 18th century, occultists in France get hold of them and develop the cards to largely how we know them and use them today. Scrying is one of the oldest methods of divination, and each culture had its own method. In Mesopotamia, oil was poured into a bowl, the Egyptians used ink, and the Greeks used metals and mirrors. The Aztecs read reflections in polished obsidian. Reading melted wax was called seromancy, and it's done by melting wax and pouring it into cold water, which would force the wax to dry and enable the diviner to read shapes within the wax. The Romans often consulted sheep's liver, especially before a construction project. They learnt this from the Etruscans, and it looks like it originated in Mesopotamia. It's called hepatoscopy, coming from hapar, meaning liver, and scope, to observe. It also carries many other names, and it was the number one form of divination in the classical world. The sheeps would graze on the land for a time, then killed, and the liver extracted to read. It sounds strange and a bit random, but the liver is a good indicator of health, which is dependent of external environmental factors. One of the ways liver was read was if it was discoloured, the area for intended construction was a no-go, 
Discoloured liver indicates liver fluke, a parasitic worm which lives in a flood-prone, low-lying land that would be unsuitable to build on. The Incans read llama livers, while the Aztecs read pelican ones, and some have suggested that by looking at the health of this bird's liver, it may have given insight to seafood harvest over the coming year. Chickens were used in what is called electriomancy. A chicken was placed inside a circle marked by the alphabet. The letters the chicken pecked near were collected to read what the message was. Alternatively, two piles of corn representing a yes and a no were placed near the chicken. Whatever pile the chicken fed from answered the diviner's question. And apparently this had the best results when the sun or moon was in Aries or Leo. Another ancient form of divination was ornithiomancy, the reading of birds. In Rome, these priests were called augurs, and they also read thunder and lightning as well. Ornithiomancy was also practiced in India, Africa, and South America. The number, flight, and cries of birds factored into the reading, as well as the species. It's said that in the 6th century BC, the philosopher Anaximander was able to predict an earthquake in Sparta by watching the local birds and their behaviour. One of the more famous stories regarding this form of divination comes from the founding of Rome. Romulus and Remus argued about where to build Rome, the site located amongst seven hills. They couldn't agree which one to build on. They also couldn't decide on who would rule. They agreed to settle the argument over watching birds for a sign. Remus saw six vultures first, while Romulus saw twelve. It was finally agreed that Romulus would be the ruler. Remus was later killed for mocking Romulus's walls, but another version says Romulus kills Remus after the disagreement over the birds, and that's how he became the ruler of Rome. And birds feature in another city's foundational myth. There was a prophecy about the founding of the Aztec capital. The people of Aztlan were told to leave their homes and travel to a promised land where they would build a powerful empire. They would know where to found the city when a priest saw an eagle perched on a cactus in an island in the middle of a lake. They discovered the requirements and built. It was called Tenochtitlan, the place of the prickly pear cactus, also known as modern-day Mexico City. There's debates that the eagle held a snake, however some have suggested that the Spanish added this detail in after they conquered the Aztecs. Bone oracles played a huge role in Chinese practices of divination. Diviners would carve or write questions onto animal bones, often shoulder blades, and then they would chisel them and insert heated points so the bone would crack. The cracks were then read and interpreted. Other curious mentions, lecanomancy involving the ripples in a bowl of water, libanomancy observing the smoke from incense, also originating from Mesopotamia, and bibliomancy, where passages from a book that falls open are relevant to the diviner. Majors, my sugar pot spell, it's ready. We can lift off, and I want your cup to overrunneth. Sugar pot spells are traditionally used to sweeten your life and bring joy. And who doesn't want more of that? I mean, I do. Subscribe to the link in the description and you can be added. What are you waiting for? There's no time to lose.
oracles and pythias and sibyls. Oh so sibyls were priestesses who channeled the voice of a chosen god and distributed prophecies. They were more of a Roman idea, whereas the Greeks had oracles, and oracles are usually a physical sight. But that being said, sibyls could be based at oracles, though not always. You've probably heard of the Oracle of Delphi, and so famous and respected was this site that when it burnt down in the 6th century, donations from all over the classical world were given to contribute to its rebuilding. The High Priestess at Delphi wasn't seen as a sibyl, but she could also be called a Pythia, which is derived from an older name of the site, Pytho. Also at Delphi, there seems to be at times three Pythias working within the same time frame, which was unusual. Normally it was just one, and it shows how busy Delphi was. Sibyls tended to be older women, who would enter a static trance in order to deliver prophecies. In the ancient world, there are around twelve Sibyls that resided in the great centres of the ancient world. The positions these women held as the voice of a god were for a lifetime. Now, not all the oracles had sibyls, or a priestess, that the deity spoke through. The oracle of Hermes was based on cladonomacy, which is divination through overheard conversations and chance events. Petitioners would whisper their questions in the ear of the statue of Hermes after burning incense and leaving offerings. They would then cover their ears and walk outside. The first words they heard would answer their question. The Oracle of Zeus and Dione at Dodona worked by those submitting lead tablets with their questions to the priests, who would then listen to a sacred oak tree. The rustling of the tree would be interpreted and answers given. Seers, Soothsayers and Prophets Seer derives from the word see, and it is a person who sees the future. Prophet comes from the Greek word propheta, meaning interpreter to the gods. Whereas a soothsayer is an old English word, soothe meaning truth, so effectively meaning truth speaker. They can be used interchangeably for someone who foretells the future. I guess in the purest form of the words, seers have visions, soothsayers channel, and prophets fall somewhere in between. Often described as a soothsayer is the infamous Nostradamus, an astrologer who lived in the 1500s. His book titled The Prophecies, published in 1555, is still fiercely debated today, and he has been credited with successfully predicting the rise of Hitler, to the French Revolution, to the atomic bomb. Originally, he had a background in medicine that slowly converted into an interest into the occult. His prophecies were a result of his knowledge of astrology, and of him meditating in front of a brass bowl of water containing herbs. Now, I couldn't find out what herbs he used, there's no account, but I'm willing to wager Mugwort was in there somewhere. Oddly enough, he wasn't burnt alive, but some criticise his work as being vague, and the prophecies can be easily applied to multiple events. Edgar Case has been described as the sleeping prophet. Born in 1877, he would lie down and enter a hypnotic trance state and be able to divine the future. He gave many predictions, and there are countless books written about them. The three that I found most interesting was that he was able to predict the stock market crash of 1929, World War II, and diagnosis through blood testing. This reading was in 1927. 
and from my research it seems blood testing was started in the 40s. I do believe in methods of divination, and I believe that possible outcomes in the future can be seen, like insights. However, the outcome or the results are based on the energy patterns around you at the time of the reading, and therefore are subject to change, should you wish to influence them. The ancient historian Amanius Marcellinus said, It is sufficient to point out that even a grammarian sometimes speaks incorrectly, or that a musician hits a note out of tune, or that a doctor is unaware of some cure. But even with all this, neither grammar, music, nor medicine have stopped in their tracks. Cicero has an appropriate comment on this subject. The gods give us signs of future events. If an interpreter makes a mistake reading them, the fault lies not with the gods, but with the interpretation. And majors, that's it. That's a wrap for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. My intent with this podcast is to provide guidance and inspiration for those on their spiritual path. I also want to connect you to information that is both useful and reliable. Would you like to support me and encourage me in creating more episodes? With your support, I can give the podcast more time and create more quality content. You can support me through Patreon and gain access to exclusive content and be part of the Majors Well community, as well as being in the communal sugarpot spell. The link is in the episode description. You could also support me by following my Instagram at the Majors Well, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, and telling your friends about the show. Please get in touch with anything you'd wish to share at themajorswell at gmail.com, and you may just get featured. A big thank you to Coral St. Clair for the podcast artwork, and to Cecily Klim for editing. I'll leave you with a poem called To the Oracle at Delphi by Lawrence Ferlinghetti. Great Oracle, why are you staring at me? Do I baffle you? Do I make you despair? I, Americus, the American, wrought from the dark in my mother long ago, from the dark of ancient Europa, why are you staring at me now, in the dusk of our civilization? Why are you staring at me, as if I were America itself, the new empire, vaster than any in ancient days, with its electronic highways carrying its corporate monoculture around the world, and English, the Latin of our days? Great oracle sleeping through the centuries, awaken now at last, and tell us how to save us from ourselves and how to survive our own rulers, who would make a plutocracy of our democracy. In the great divide between the rich and the poor, in whom Walt Whitman heard America singing, O long silent Sibyl, you of winged dreams, speak out of your temple of light, as the serious constellations, with Greek names, still stare down on us, as a lighthouse moves its megaphone over the sea. Speak out and shine upon us, the sea light of Greece, the diamond light of Greece. Far-seeing Sibyl, forever hidden, come out of your cave at last, and speak to us in the poet's voice, the voice of the fourth person singular, the voice of the inscrutable future, the voice of the people mixed, with a wild soft laughter, and give us new dreams to dream, give us new myths to live by. Peace out, witches.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 